Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, if we haven't met, I'm uh, Pastor Jeff Seaver, and uh, so looking forward to sharing God's Word with you this morning because I needed it. So uh, it, it's fun to share with others what God gives to you and kind of meets a need in, in your own life. These are really interesting times. I know it's not a big deal, but uh, Kathy and I decided to take on a little painting project. A lot of us, I think, have found stuff to do around the house these days, and, and they were out of those little rollers. You know, they had the big rollers, but they didn't have the little rollers. And I was talking to, the, to Ben at the paint department, and he says, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we don't have these days. You know, that's not a big deal, but it's just kind of a reminder that we're living in, in different times. Those of you that have been looking to can your garden produce, a lot of us have, have, have taken gardening up again this, this year. You realize that there's a shortage of lids and rims and different sizes of, uh, of the jars. Not a big deal, but we are living in different times. How many of you wish that this time was over? At least we could know, like, there we go. You see, you're feeling it in your own different way. Well, these times of unsettledness are times when, when if we turn our hearts towards heaven, God has something encouraging to say to us. My problem is, I often keep my eyes right here, right? But when we turn our hearts towards heaven, God has a word for us. And this word that, that, that we're going to take a look at as we begin this service to kind of reflect on why we're talking about God's purpose for us this fall, this word is, is a very familiar one. You may have it on a coffee cup at home or a plaque or maybe you have it on a tattoo. I don't know. God's people have drawn a lot of encouragement from this verse. It's Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Wow, isn't that good news? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, um, Kathy and I have, uh, have uh, given... Uh, that verse or written that verse or found a card with that verse when we want to encourage someone like a, like a graduate from high school moving on to the next stage. This is like a, a really inspiring verse like, hey, you guys, God has plans for you. Trust him, embrace his plans. But this verse also speaks to those of us who are feeling a sense of uncertainty right now, right? We know that God has plans, but see, the hard thing is that as Isaiah, another of the prophets, would say, God's ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts higher than ours. So that means that, that, that although we know God has a plan, sometimes we struggle because it's not like we would have planned it. Maybe the working out of the timing of his plan, we're getting a little impatient with this uneasiness that we're living with. Someone has said that God's timing can be summed up in three in, in, a, in a little four-letter word, S-L-O-W, <laughs> or at least that's what it seems like to us. We're always, we seem to be in a little more hurry than God is, which brings us to this verse. Now, some of you may know this, but I think all of us are, are uh, uh, at a place where it's good to be reminded that this verse was written by the prophet Jeremiah from Jerusalem to God's people who were living in very uncertain circumstances. God, in response to their persistent, willful, um, uh, stubborn uh, disobedience, 
he had allowed the neighboring nation of Babylon now to take them as, as his people, as exiles, into a foreign land. God had allowed this. Now, now Jeremiah, writing to the exiles, who obviously would have been discouraged or wondering what is going on, he writes this letter to them. And I'm going to back it up to verse 4. Because we're going to see something here. Not only is it important to remember God's promises, but as we wait for those promises to be fulfilled, that we remember his purpose. His purpose for us now. You see, it's so easy to get paralyzed by circumstances that are stressful, that are anxious, that are hard, that are difficult. It's easy to just kind of unplug from life and be paralyzed. God said to his people through Jeremiah, no, no, you have a purpose. Let's listen. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So in the midst of a time that they would not have chosen, in the midst of circumstances that they were anxious to get past, God had a word for them. Now, it would be actually an insult to our, 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 uh, uh, the, the people that are living today as literal exiles. There are people that are living this reality in, in parts of the globe today. They're trusting in God. They have been literally been, been uh, banished from their homes. They have literally had to flee to other countries. They are, they are living in a new normal, so to speak, that is way more stressful than my inconvenience of not finding a paint roller at Shields. They are living with a sense of pressure and wonder and insecurity. God's people have lived in these ways where they're hanging on to his promises. But as we learn, sometimes those situations go on for a while. And God reminding us of his purpose as well as his promises is really a gift. So although this is not a literal exile experience, it is a time of unsettledness. It is a time of uneasiness. It is a time to remember that those things can paralyze us too. But we have a purpose. 
You see, God told the people uh, in, in, in Babylon that remember your identity, remember who you are, and live out the life I've called you to. Build homes. Tend to your families. And don't listen to, this one was a tough one for me, and don't listen to people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> you ever do that today? Turn the dial to something, yes, this is what I like to hear. Preach it. <laughs> Don't do that. Remember what I have told you. We have a purpose as a church. We have a purpose to reflect Jesus. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his presence in this broken world. We're like a carriage, carrying bridge, so to speak, between heaven and a broken world. God, man, in spite of our issues, in spite of our our stumbles, God has chosen to extend his love and action through his people like us in this broken world. That's his plan A. And like someone has said, he doesn't have a plan B. He does it through us. And has there ever been a time when it's been more important and beautiful and impactful for us to remember who we are as God's people? And remember why we're here to be the reflection of Jesus in a broken world. And as we've been looking at this month, that includes, of course, worshiping because he's worthy, nurturing because faith is a living thing like little Vanna this morning, bless her heart. This family gets to nurture the faith of that little one, nourishing it and giving her direction. We all need that. Pastor Christian will talk about evangelizing. It's still good news, and there are lost people very close to us. Do we quit when we're kind of unsettled or do we say, no, this is an opportunity? There's probably never been a more, uh, well, I shouldn't say never. Pastors like hyperbole, I'm sorry. This is one of those times when putting the love of Jesus in action can have beautiful, important, impacting results. John, who uh, was uh, one of Jesus' inner three, he was a disciple who was called to leave his life as a fisherman and, be, and become a follower of Jesus that he might be sent out with a message that, that has changed our lives if we've come to believe. John wrote in cha John chapter 3, beginning with verse uh, 16, and you're saying, John 3.16? I know John 3.16. This is a different John 3.16. John recorded his... Uh, his uh, uh, his memory or sense of the life and message of Jesus in the Gospel of John. But he also wrote three, letter, three letters to ordinary Christians like us. John 3.16 in his Gospel says, and some of you could, could say it aloud with me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Powerful verse. That's the Gospel right there. But when we see that verse, we probably think, whoever believes in him. What does it mean to believe? Well, John's thinking not just of a kind of a mental assent and agreeing. He's thinking a whole life embracing, believing in who Jesus is and his call on our lives. So in 1 John chapter 3, listen to this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Notice it's very similar to John 3, 16 in the gospel Except it, 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 it calls our whole life into this life of faith. 1 John 3.16 says, 
This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Man, that's just kind of pretty much straight on right where we live, isn't it? Who can argue with what he said? Let's read it aloud together. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can they say the love of Christ is in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. You know, actions of love transcend all languages and cultures. We might not be able to understand the words, but when we are loved actively, that makes the point. It reflects Jesus. Have you ever um, coveted someone else's spiritual experience? (laughs) I have. I was a teenager, and I was in a setting where there was a pastor who was also an artist, and he was using the medium of chalk. And he was, he was working on this big black canvas. I don't know if it was canvas or not. But, but as he was making these strokes and getting different colors and making these strokes, all of a sudden there was this face coming alive on the, on the uh, 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 canvas. And, and what I saw was the arms of Jesus in his head and his crown. And, and, he, and he put a little red here and there. And man, I, I'm watching this and, and I'm thinking, how does he do that? That's what I was thinking. And then I saw Diane. She was a little ahead of me and to my left. I, I can see her today. This beautiful young girl with tears running down her cheeks. She was looking at the same picture that I was saying, how did he do that? And I can't tell you what was going on in her heart. But I wonder if it wasn't this. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? And for us, as, as God's children, Pastor Christian mentioned at the baptism, this is a straight-out gift. God makes this move towards us. Why did he do that? Because we needed it. And he loved us so much that he met us with that need of a powerful act that would bring us forgiveness that would bring us peace, that would bring us hope for the future, and would give us purpose today. I don't know if that's what Diane was thinking about as she looked at that portrait of Jesus, but I know what John was thinking about when he wrote these words. You see, John was there. John saw our Savior literally on the cross for us. He saw him. And he loved him. And he knew that Jesus loved John. In fact, Jesus said to him, while Jesus is dying on the cross, hey, John, take care of my mom. Wow. Take care of my mom. This is love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So we should lay 
down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If any of us has material, uh, if any of us has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And I am so grateful that John put it this way. You see, in my natural person, in my broken, selfish Jeff, (laughs) I need to be reminded how I've been loved. How I've been loved when I didn't deserve it. How God saved me in spite of the sins I committed and he saved me knowing I wasn't going to do it perfect. But he laid down his life for me. So when I'm up against a situation when it's hard to love and when I don't want to love in action, John goes back to what he remembered. And and although we can't be there like John was, literally, we can be there as God takes his word that, that, that describes that account, that gives us the meaning of that account, and his Holy Spirit makes it personal. You are loved. Jesus laid down his life for you. And we are called as a reflection of his love to extend that love in this broken world. Really matters. We have promises, but he's given us a purpose too. Jesus went on to to tell a a story. It's a very familiar story about loving one's neighbor. In fact, most of the stories about Jesus aren't stories he told. They're stories about what he did. I mean, if you take out love and action, if you take out the moments when Jesus was, was caring before he laid down his life, I mean, he, he, he was constantly interacting with people in a caring way, whether they were, whether they were afflicted with leprosy or, a, or, or afflicted with lonely selfishness like rich Zacchaeus, whether they had just just lost a son like the widow of Nain, or just like a, lost a 12-year-old daughter, whether they were hungry, whether they were shamed like the woman caught in adultery, whenever Jesus was there, he not only had things to say, but he, but he touched them and he met them at their point of need. That's the way Jesus is. But he told a story about love and action that it continues to speak to the church today. But I'm going to suggest that before I read this story, that we not miss the significance of one word in the story. And it's the word Samaritan. Samaritan. That might not be a big deal to you. It's a huge deal when Jesus told this story. And maybe we're going to get it a little more because of the situation in which we're living today. I don't know, you guys sensing any divisiveness out there? (laughs) Maybe even in here? In Jesus' day, there was ethnic tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. There was religious uh, tension between the conservative Pharisees and the liberal Sadducees. And there was political tension between the Zealots who were ready to throw in their lot to see the kingdom of David return. And those who had sold out or compromised with the Roman occupying forces, like like Matthew, Jesus' disciple, who once collected taxes for the Romans. The sense of division is part of of the fallenness in this broken world, and we're feeling it today. 
So when I think of the people that right now I'm having, having issues with, <laughs> let's see, Tuesday night we're going to have an election. You guys know, I'm not an election, uh, a debate. That ought to be interesting. So who's going to vote for Biden and who's going to vote for Trump? Just kidding. No, we're not going to go there, all right? Any tension there these days? I'd say a little bit. How about, um, man, I grew up in the 60s. As a kid, racial tension was awful. Hasn't gone away, has it? And when we think about how to address racial tension, in our, I bet there are some of us in this room that have a different perspective on how we should address racial tensions. I know there is. How about this COVID thing? It affects communities. It affects churches. It affects families. We have difference of opinions. We're empty nesters, but we kind of have two opinions in our house. Oh, I'll, I'm still working on Kathy. We'll, we'll get it. <laughs> no. But think of someone who thinks politically different than you right now. Think of the person on the other side as a Samaritan. Think of someone who doesn't see the, the solution to the race issue right now like you see it as a Samaritan. And think of somebody who's taking taken a different perspective on this pandemic and you don't understand how they can even think that way. Think of them as a Samaritan. And now, let's listen to Jesus' story. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of, the rob which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Father, your word is living and active. There's times it makes us comfortable and times it makes us, us uncomfortable, but we know that it is your heart to point us to Jesus, that we would turn from our sin and embrace our Savior. We thank you that all the promises that you have made are not only valid, but they are strong and you will keep them. So many of them have to do with the future as we think of a new heaven and a new earth, but we're here now where we need to be reminded that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I need that, Lord, because it seems easier 
to slip and stumble when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious. You have said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And boy, we need to live in that reality because sometimes we're not very strong these days. And Father, we are also aware that Jesus promised never to leave us or forsake us. And we just got to believe that that's as true today as when he said it. So in this time, God, may we not only uh, believe and rest in the power of the gospel love that loved us while we were still sinners enough to lay down his life. But we're never going to do this perfectly, Lord. We aren't. But would you give us opportunities to reflect a bit of the gospel love of Jesus, the love that prompted a, a Samaritan who was no doubt hated by the broken man if there were other circumstances, but chose to extend love. God, we confess our divisiveness. We pray that you would bring us healing. We know it's not going to happen by our cleverness or our plans, but it can happen as your love in us finds expression in gospel care. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.